0: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, March 9th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, officials in the city of Jackson say the current water crisis is nearing an end, but certain underlying issues still need to be reconciled. Then as the state approaches the one-year anniversary of its first case of COVID-19, health officials reflect on the year that was. Plus, as the nation recognizes National Women's Month, advocates in Mississippi say more must be done to support low income Become single mothers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Water restoration in Jackson is nearly complete after more than three weeks of outages. Public Works Director Charles Williams says most residents should have access to running water, but pressure remains an issue. The entire city is still under a boil water advisory.
1: As we reach within the fourth week of the water crisis, I believe that we have a majority of our residents who have had their water restored. I believe that the remaining residents that are lacking right now is not so much from a lack of water, but more so from low water pressure, and that is still in certain areas in South Jackson. Now, I I do want to note that our system was not normal prior to the event, and when I say normal, That means that we have a number of water main breaks throughout the system that disrupt water to our customers. And then secondly, we also had issues at the plant that uh, were uh, evident through an inspection uh, by the uh, EPA about a year ago. So we have been working to address those particular issues, but the winter storm exposed a lot of those deficiencies that were noted in that report. What I do want to say is that when we when we talk about normal, I'm not sure that we will be get back to normal. That is why we are requesting funding from additional resources in order to help us address that. But right now, we feel that the system is more stable now. Right now, we are seeing gains in our tanks. We've been maintaining around 85 psi. We should go up a little higher later today, and uh, we are uh, anticipate a uh, full recovery uh, within the system. Uh, Uh, probably by the end of the week. You know, uh, this brought to light a a lot of issues that have been plaguing the city for some time, and in order for us to fully address it, that's why we've been asking for funding. So I'm going to work extremely hard with the mayor as we uh, touch on uh, different areas and resources in order to help that be achieved, and I look uh, forward to the progress that we'll be making in the future. Thank you.
0: The immediate cause of the water issues in Jackson was last month's winter storm, but the underlying complications have been decades in the making. Mayor Mumba says the city is working on securing aid from the state and federal level.
3: I'm optimistic uh, we will continue uh, to, voice, uh, to, to voice our concerns and our needs, uh, and we will talk to all necessary parties uh, right now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move forward and press forward with optimism that that, that will be heard. Uh, now in terms of uh, the question of routine maintenance uh, that is correct uh, but the question then becomes why haven't we been able to effectuate the routine ma- maintenance that is needed and that comes down to a matter of resources uh, we have talked exhaustively about the limitation of cities bu- city budgets uh, the aging infrastructure uh, the increased effect of, of things like hotter hotter summers colder winters and and, and more rain and and the effect that that has on our infrastructure. And so I think that it is a measure of the responsibility not only of cities, but it is a a reflection of the responsibility of state leadership and state resources and federal resources. Uh, Jackson, unfortunately, is not an outlier. Uh, This is a circumstance that we see repeated far too often across the state and across the country.
0: Lumumba has been front and center during the weeks of the water crisis, calling for state leadership to recognize the need for long-term investment in the state's largest city.
3: The formation of government is an operation of protecting the people. Uh, That is the the very impetus by which uh, we have government. And so uh, providing resources to people who have been stretched in the midst of this pandemic, uh, people who have been harmed uh, in in many ways uh, is not a handout as it is necessary support that we should be able to expect uh, from our state and federal leadership. I want to be clear that the city of Jackson not only needs infrastructure support, we also need COVID support uh, in the midst of this pandemic like every other city in the country. And so I don't want to mix the two. I don't want to confuse the two. Uh, I don't want to be cheated in our, in our effort to get the support that we need. Uh, and so that is important.
0: LaMuma says he plans to meet with Governor Tate Reeves. He says he wants to find a way to sincerely resolve the city's infrastructure problems, but rejects any plans that include ceding city assets like the Jackson-Evers Airport.
3: I do uh, have a scheduled meeting where we're going to sit down with one another again. Uh, and so I'd like to leave that the opportunity for, for growth in our discussions to take place. Uh, but as I have stated before, uh, obviously I don't favor that position. Uh, the city of Jackson uh, should not need to be extorted in any way in order to get the resources we justly deserve. Just to give by by way of example, there are many capital cities around the country uh, that states recognize the great sacrifice that a capital city takes on, uh, not only in Jackson's instance where we are the largest uh, population by a factor of three, which means that we contribute the lion's share of state, uh, state taxes to the state of Mississippi, uh, but also we, we confront the issue that so much of our property stock uh, is state property that is untaxable and, and leaving it un, unavailable for us to make uh, the, the profit that we would make if private, if private business or, or an individual were to, to, um, to have ownership. And so uh, many states uh, pay c- city uh, capitals lo- uh, payment in lieu of taxes, uh, recognizing not only that sacrifice, but in the city of Jackson's, instance, uh, we don't even get water bills from the state, though we provide water to them. And so as we talk about a water crisis, uh, you know, that is a significant uh, that is a significant note to make that, you know, if we just got the money for what we provide you, then then maybe we might be in in a more uh, sufficient place. And so I look forward to those conversations. Um, You know, I I think that uh, that sincere people can have sincere disagreements. Uh, But one of the main points of dialogue and and diplomacy is coming to the table in a sincere way in order to help the people in which we serve.
0: Coming up, as the state approaches the one-year anniversary of its first case of COVID-19, health officials reflect on the year that was. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Nearly half a million Mississippians have received their first dose of a coronavirus vaccine. The milestone comes nearly one year after the first case of COVID-19 was identified in Mississippi. The state's health officials are reflecting on the year that was as the state nears the anniversary date of March 11th. Health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs and state epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers recall it was mid-January when the Department of Health realized potential severity of the coronavirus?
2: Probably mid-January, Dr. Byers walked in my office and said, hey, look at this. And he showed some data. He said, I think this is the big one. I think this is going to be the big pandemic. I I just got to give you kudos, Paul. You you recognize the seriousness of it. It had the pieces involved that were really going to make it explosive. And you were right. Um, In a way, it's not how we expected because when we looked at our our modeling based on transmission, but was mostly based on flu. We had predicted a mortality of about 150 to 200,000 Americans who would have died. But we made some, within that planning, there were some assumptions that didn't turn out to be true. And that was this over politicization of non-pharmaceutical interventions, which was not in the playbook, right? So we've made some errors as, as a country by not having a steady approach to our preventive measures, and so I hope that we've learned our lesson after a couple of massive failures, um, to just go go slowly, go carefully, as we are getting the upper hand with vaccination.
4: And and you know I think one of the biggest things for 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 us looking at it from from an epidemiological standpoint is is just how many unknowns there were. Um, you know we could look at what was going on in in other case, uh, countries, and it was obvious at that point that there was pretty easy transmission and that it was affecting the, uh, the vulnerable populations. Um, uh, I think we probably could have predicted that um, it was going to have a significant impact on those individuals with chronic underlying medical problems and individuals who are older and in long-term care residents. I think that uh, it's just, it's just rolled out. um, uh, You know, I think, if I could be honest of where we were in January, uh, I'm going to be honest that I didn't think we'd be sitting here, uh, another year later, uh, still talking about this. Um, uh, it has, it has been, uh, it has been a real adventure. I think one of the big things that, that we hadn't considered until, until later because of sort of some of the messages that we got, um, was the use of masks and, and ultimately what, um, what a value the mask would be in preventing transmission. And that's it's one of the big lessons for me anyway.
0: As the state prepared for the potential pandemic, early mitigation guidance from federal leadership was disjointed. Dr. Dobbs says there's a long existing neglect of public health systems in the United
2: States. Not surprised at all. Not surprised at all, right? So in the United States of America, we have chronically underfunded underinvested and undermined our public health systems. We will learn a lesson, throw a bunch of money at it and forget. Right. So we set up all these, you know, all these efforts after Katrina in and Mississippi and, and, and parts of the country after 9-11, um, after pan flu, after Ebola. Right. And so there's always money to chase the problem that was ahead of us. I mean, behind us, not the one that's ahead of us. This is something that we've been really pushing on for a long time. We need steady investment, right? We have learned this lesson over and over again. If you can fund public health to a point where it can be ever ready, we'll be in a lot better situation. There's no doubt about it. Um, so I'll say we're just not, we're not surprised. Um, even the national stockpile has its own sort of history, right? It was undermined and underfunded just some years prior to the pandemic, right? So we knew it wasn't going to be as strong as it should have been. Um, so that's one thing. One thing I do want to say is I just do want to reinforce the importance of, of public health and public health authorities. We've been very fortunate in Mississippi to have good relationships with the governor and the speaker and lieutenant governor. They've all been very supportive. But other states don't have that same support. Or states have learned the wrong lesson. Ironically, they're trying to undermine the authorities of public health rather than support them. So I hope we don't actually go the wrong direction undermining public health because they were underfunded to begin with
0: for state epidemiologist dr paul byers the now year-long fight against the spread of the deadly virus took its toll professionally and personally
4: certainly it's affected us and myself on a on a day-to-day basis just like it's affected the the rest of of mississippi and the sacrifices that that everyday mississippians are are making as well is you know limiting those interactions. A lot of times, not seeing family, vulnerable family, for, for quite some time. Um, you know, reducing the the um, the activities down to, to, to just being at the house. Um, and and certainly it's it's changed it's changed a lot of things in that way. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see um, how how those changes. Unfold in the in the long run, um, but but it has been it has been an honor to be able to to work in this position, and and do the work that we do every day. If there's anything that's that's been the most heartbreaking, has been the deaths, and the the deaths have, have been difficult. and And we're at over six thousand, um, well well over six thousand now, I believe at, at over sixty eight hundred, and and those those do um, those do weigh
0: heavily. Health officials say many indicators of high virus transmission are on the decline, such as test positivity, virus-related hospitalizations, and deaths. They're also encouraged by the community's response to vaccine availability. Dr. Dobbs says they continue to explore ways to expand
2: eligibility. We are always trying to fine-tune availability with um, eligibility, right? Right so that we're getting the most bang for our buck. And I think if you consider last week we received um, around 120,000, well, about 130,000 doses and we gave 132,000 doses, we're running it pretty tight, right? So we're getting vaccine out there. One of the things that's very important to be considered of is there are geographic variability. That's very clear. We try to address that as best we can by how we share with partners. But also we don't want to make it more difficult for people who are most vulnerable, 65 and older, maybe people who are not as Internet savvy, maybe people who are facing health disparities. So we want to make sure that we get as many people opportunities as we can. In Mississippi, we have a very broad eligibility compared to other states. So, you know, please think about that. If we look at where other places are, we are looking at everybody 50 and older, anybody with chronic medical conditions, Um, Teachers, K-12, and and younger kids, preschool and child care, first responders, police, fire, health care. And that's a a significant majority of the population of the state of Mississippi.
0: MPB News will be reflecting on the one-year anniversary of the pandemic more this week. On Thursday, in place of Mississippi edition, MPB News, in collaboration with partner stations in Alabama and Louisiana, will present A Year Like No Other. COVID-19 in the Gulf States. Coming up, as the nation recognizes National Women's Month, advocates in Mississippi say more must be done to support low-income single mothers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. From mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life's disruptions, whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This
0: is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. National Women's History Month is a time to commemorate and celebrate the vital role of women in American history. It's also a time to assess socioeconomic progress of women in a sustained fight for financial equality. Advocates say women in Mississippi are making gains, but many are finding it hard to make make ends meet financially. Cassandra Welchlin is with the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. She tells our Desiree Frazier, Mississippi's women are bearing a tremendous Load in the marketplace, but still lack economic security.
5: This is a very um, interesting time um, that we're living in. And for me, given the work that we're doing at the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable, and that's just as a black woman, I think about the black women that we are advocating with and for on behalf of their economic security. You know, we're in the midst of a pandemic and just in the last several, you know, months with the racial uh, injustice that occurred, you know, with all the protests that happened. So for me, I'm thinking mostly about Black women and girls and our economic security and, um, and how also we have, you know, uh, been a part of the social uh, political movements in this country to shift power. And so I'm thinking about black women and our strength and our power, but also the economic security um, that we still are fighting for to level the playing field. How are we doing overall? Are we making any gains? Are women making gains? Women are making gains in the sense that, you know, we are um, we're always you know, we are the backbones of our families and the backbones of our communities and always have been, you know, particularly for Black women. Um, We are caregivers. We, you know, we make so many sacrifices for our families. And yet, you know, when we look at, you know, the economic security of our households, uh, we still have a long way to go, Um, particularly, you know, in the state of Mississippi, where Black women are still making 56 cents on the dollar. Um, to that of a white male. Uh, we have a long ways to go, particularly, you know, given health care, when you still got a, a little bit over 20,000 black women that still don't have access to health care. Um, there's, there's a ways to go, and our poverty rate is still very high. And so um, there is much work that is needed and that's needed to be done um, in the state of Mississippi and in this country. Um, but yet we still show up Uh, We're still the essential workers. We, you know, even in COVID, you know, we are um the COVID impacted our communities you know so much we are the essential workers you know in Mississippi you know we're half the workforce you know women are in two-thirds of the minimum wage earners but we know what poverty is situated in is that's in those single family headed households by 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 black moms and so there's still much work to be done uh when it comes to our economic security but yet we keep doing it uh we keep doing um more with less because we have to. Do you feel like the powers that be in the state hear you, the state legislators, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the house speaker, the members? We are building a base and have built a base to where they, that they have to hear us. Um, we have built an infrastructure to where we are knocking on their doors and saying to them, um because there's so much that we could be, um, there's so much the state leaders definitely can be doing, but it's going to continue to take our women saying to them, we want equal pay for equal work. Uh, we need child care. We need access to health care. And so that is growing. Is it enough? No, it's not. Are, are they hearing us all the way? They're hearing, but we're going to continue to knock louder um, and louder until um they write laws into write laws that really impact our our households. And so there's still much work to be done on that end, but we are doing the work and we are making um, our voices heard at the policy table. Are there any bills that speak to um, what is important to you still alive in the legislature now? Yes. Yeah. There are, um, you know, we have the, the Medicaid um technical bill is still alive and inside that bill um there are provisions for um um Medicaid eligibility for moms to have um Medicaid twelve months postpartum. That's really incredible and really important given we know the um maternal um mortality rate in Mississippi among black women. Um that bill will really help um, give um, safety and give the necessary medical attention and services that black women and women who are on Medicaid need in order that so they can be healthy. Uh, We know those critical moments after having a baby is so important. You still need to have care. And so that bill and those provisions inside of that bill will really help Um, help do that. So that bill is so critical and important. There's a domestic violence bill that's still out there. Um, We want to give support to that. And, you know, the dignity bill for uh, women who are incarcerated. That bill is so important that, you know, moms are able to um, um, have time, bonding time with their babies, that their babies are not just stripped away from them. uh, When they give birth but they can have their babies with them for three days and also they can get you know sanitary napkins more sanitary napkins you know during their menstrual cycle so those things are really important to the health to the well-being and to the mental health um, of women it doesn't matter if you're incarcerated or 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 you're not uh, we're still women. Uh, we still have dignity. I mean, that is our human right um, to live a life of freedom, live a life of dignity. Um, and so we want healthy moms, healthy babies, and, um, and we want to have um, healthy communities. Um, women, we support our communities. We are the backbone of our communities. And so um, these kinds of legislation, will help support the safety the uh, and the well-being and the economic security of our families. Cassandra Welchlin with the Black Women's Roundtable, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you.
0: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.